Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode. Today we're going to be talking all things Mercedes AMG Patronus Formula 1 team. My god, that is a mouthful and I understand why Lewis always forgets. From their early days as just an engine provider to their turns on and off as Formula 1 teams, today we're going to learn how the team ended up becoming one of the best on the grid. On the episode, we have Ito, Melissa, and myself, Chelsea, and I'm going to pass it off to Mel to start us off. All right. So before we dive in all things Mercedes, let's talk about the team's nickname to start off. The term Silver Arrows came to light in 1932, and the nickname usually is given to cars that have a deep connection to a German manufacturer. So let's keep that in mind. It's kind of a little important detail. The term gained more popularity around 1934 when weight regulations of the cars were prescribed. However, the shiny new Mercedes-Benz W25 was just one kilogram over the limit. So what do racing manager Alfred Newbar and Manfred von, I'm not going to pronounce his last name because it starts with an N and I really do not want to butcher it. So what do they do? Of all things, they removed the pretty white paint off the body of the car, showing a nice, shiny silver underneath. And the car ended up winning the race that year, so thus, Silver Arrows were born. So Mercedes-Benz formerly competed in the Grand Prix Motor Racing during the 1930s. During this era, not only were the Silver Arrows dominant, but so were their rivals, Auto Union, a different German automobile manufacturer. Both teams were greatly funded by the Nazi regime, and they ended up winning majority of that season between 1935 to 1938. And there was no title award in 1939 due to the war outbreak, so that's a little fun fact. And out of the four years I was held, Mercedes driver Rudolf Carcola won three out of the four of them. Yeah, and once upon a time, in the golden era of motorsport, a legendary name returned to the world of Formula One after it was formalized in 1950. So in 1954, Mercedes-Benz returned. The roar of engines and the thrill of racing had captured the hearts of millions, and a new chapter was about to be written. Under the guidance of brilliant Alfred Neubauer, Mercedes-Benz unveiled their masterpiece, the W196 a technological marvel that redefined the sport. This incredible machine had two very distinct personalities with an open-wheel design and a streamlined form that concealed its wheels and boasted wide body work. It was truly a sight to behold. The stage was set for a dramatic comeback as the 1951 champion Juan Miguel Fangio left Maserati mid-season to join Mercedes-Benz. Their debut at the French Grand Prix on July 4, 1954, was nothing short of spectacular. Fangio and his teammate, Carl Kling, stormed to a 1-2 victory, with Hans Hermann setting the fastest lap. Fangio's skill behind the wheel led him to win three more races that season, ultimately securing the championship. The success story continued into 1955, as Mercedes-Benz further refined the W196, 
Fangio was on fire, claiming victory in four races and a young and promising talent named Sterling Moss conquered the British Grand Prix. Fun fact, Sterling Moss was actually the most successful driver never to win a championship. They were unstoppable, with Fangio and Moss finishing first and second in the championship. However, amid the glory struck tragedy. On June 11th, during the 24 hour of Le Mans, disaster loomed. A catastrophic accident claimed the life of Mercedes-Benz sports car driver Pierre Levin and more than and more than 80 spectators. In the wake of this heartbreaking event, the French, German, Spanish, and Swiss GPs were all canceled. And later on, Switzerland would ban motor racing in all forms. Fun fact. And at the end of the season, the curtain fell on this remarkable chapter as Mercedes-Benz decided to withdraw from motorsport, including Formula One. And this brief but extraordinary stint had claimed a total of nine victories with a special mention of the 1954 French GP and the 1954 Italian GP. And, of course, also the 55 version. All won by the streamlined Type Monza. These races were historic as they marked the only occasion when a closed-wheel car emerged victorious in Formula 1. Because, as you probably have seen in Formula 1, especially now, you don't have wheel covers, so there's no protection from the elements, etc. And closed just means they have a wheel cover on them. Mercedes-Benz return to Formula 1 had been a tale of triumph, tears, and triumph again. Their legacy in the sport broke from their engineering prowess and their unforgettable moments created on track remained etched into the annals of motorsport history. Now, while they were technically off the track, they did make a comeback onto the track because kind of Mercedes rejoined because they ended up buying stock in, I'm sorry, they ended up buying stake in the engine manufacturer called Ilmer. Um, so they started with 25% shares. They were like, we're going to, you know, wet our hands a little bit. And that was like in 1993. And then they jumped to 55% in 2002. So half of it took it. And then they ended up just buying the whole thing in 2005. So nowadays, Ilmer will be known as Mercedes AMG High Performance Powertrains. So they stayed in Formula One those years, not as a team, but as like an engine supplier. And they were working with teams like McLaren. And this was in 1995. Now, of course, buying a stake in McLaren, this wasn't just like a little stake. This was 40% of it. and. They worked with the team under McLaren Mercedes until 2014. In that time span, they got 78 wins, one constructors, and three drivers' championships. So there are a few familiar names of these winners. You had 
Mika Hakkinen in 1998-1989, and you have a favorite of ours, which was Lewis Hamilton in 2008. Now, Mercedes then jumped onto the track with a new team, and this one was really interesting. Now, the team was called Braun GP, and this was a team that was one season on the grid. They were there for one season, and it was run by Bruce Braun, and this was the guy who was like the mastermind behind Michael Schumacher's like all his world title world title championships. So this was a good move for Mercedes. Okay, they like they did something really smart here because we saw the team come in with drivers Jensen Button and Ruben um, Barrichello, and they somehow. <laughs> This team, who had literally just got here, first season ever doing it, they won the season. They had eight wins out of the 17 races. They took both titles in their only year on the track. So this makes it, technically, it is, the first and so far only team to achieve 100% championship success rate. So they get that title. They do. And because they did so well, Mercedes ended up buying out Braun. So um, they did do this with the help of a company called Abar Investments. They sold back what they had of McLaren, gave it back, you know, the team I talked about earlier. And out goes Braun, and in comes a love of ours, Mercedes GP Petronas Formula One team, ready for the 2010 season. So for the 2010 season, we saw Ross Braun continue to be the team's principal and HQ remain at the same Brackley facility. The facility was also close to their engine plant, so I imagine they made that decision just for their own convenience, for the sake of the cars and all that good engineering stuff. And for this season, we saw the driver pairing consisting of Nico Rosberg, who was previously driving for Williams in the 2019 the 2009 season and Michael Schumacher who himself was returning from a three-year absence from the sports itself compared to when the team was under Braun the the car itself was not as competitive as it was since it was behind the McLarens Ferraris and Rebels that year and in the season Nico was able to accomplish three podium finishes in Sepang Shanghai and Silverstone but unfortunately for Schumacher, he did not have any wins, podiums, or polls for this season since his debut in 1991, which is like mind-boggling to me to like think about stuff like that. Ultimately, Nico did end up finishing higher than Schumacher in the Drivers' Championship, and Mercedes finished in fourth in the Constructors' Championship. Ahead of the 2011 season, Daimler and Albar purchased the remaining 24.9 stake owned by the team management. However, even though these changes were going on behind the scenes, it still wasn't a pretty start for the season for Nico nor Michael. Each driver had to retire from the Australian GP in different laps, of course, but it was due to crash damage. And throughout the season, we saw both Nico and Michael manage to turn their season around, but neither driver was not able to achieve a win, podium finish, or even a pole. Again, mind-blowing to think about stuff like that the way we know Mercedes nowadays. However, they did finish fourth again in the Constructors' Championship. Now, into the 2012 season, the team decided to ditch the GP in their name and add AMG, making them now the known Mercedes-AMG Petronas F1 team. You would think 
after so many name changes, it would think of something shorter and easier to say, but I'm just going to leave that at them. I'm not whoever the team people that decide names are. But at the start of the season, the team was under the radar due to the use of some quote-unquote radical rear-wing concept, and it was protested. However, it was until the third race of the season in China where the protest was rejected. And funny enough, this is the Grand Prix where we saw Nico earn the team's first pole position since Fangio in 1955. And Michael did finish in third, but was promoted to second due to Lewis Hamilton dealing with a great penalty. And as for Nico, he did earn the team's first win in 57 years. So we love that for him. Now, by 2012, it was announced that Lewis Hamilton would be joining the team for the 2013 season on a three-year contract joining Nico. And right before the start of the 2013 season in January, Total Wolf would be joining the team as executive director. Alongside with his business partner, Renee Berger, becoming the non-executive director. And Toto also took over as the co-ordinator of the Mercedes-Benz motorsport involvement. So pretty much he was just seeing everything sports that involved Mercedes-Benz. And in that year, Nico earned the team's first win of the season at the Monaco GP. Mercedes had podium finishes at Canada and at the British GP. And Lewis earned his first win for the team at the Hungarian Grand Prix that year. Mercedes finished strong and second in the Constructors' Championships ahead of the Ferrari. So we know they always like to battle out sometimes. And it didn't stop there. The Mercedes racing team embarked on an extraordinary journey, would become the stuff of legends. It all began in 2014 when they decided to keep both of their star drivers, Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton, in the driver's seat. The season kicked off with a bang as Rosberg claimed the checkered flag in Australia, marking the start of their impressive run. But it was Hamilton's turn to shine in Malaysia, where he achieved a grand slam by leading every lap for pole position, along with setting the fastest race lap. This victory ended Hamilton's dry spell of nine races without a podium finish and marked the first 1-2 finish by Mercedes as a works team since 1955. Long time. The Mercedes team repeated the success in Bahrain, China, and Spain, firmly establishing their dominance on the F1 circuit. Rosberg and Hamilton continued their friendly rivalry with a 1-2 finish at the Monaco GP and in Austria. While at the German GP, Rosberg made history by becoming the first German driver to win in a German vehicle since 1939. The realizing on the cake, though, came at the Russian GP, where Mercedes clenched their first Constructors' Championship as a works team. The season culminated in Abu Dhabi with Hamilton securing the World Drivers' Championship, leaving his teammate Rosberg 67 points behind. Mercedes closed out the 2014 season with an astonishing 296 points ahead of their closest competitors, Red Bull Racing. Oh, how the tables have turned now. But that's for another time. 
The following year, in 2015, Mercedes retained both their drivers and their dominance continued once again. Constructor championship win came at the Russian GP. Hamilton clenched his second consecutive driver's championship at the US GP, finishing 59 points ahead of Rosberg. Mercedes showcased their superiority with 18 pole positions, 16 race victories, and 12 one-two finishes, solidifying their reputation as a powerhouse in the V6 turbo era. In 2016, Mercedes was unstoppable, winning their third Constructors' Championship and securing 20 pole positions, the highest percentage ever in a single Formula One season at 95.2. The average gap to the nearest non-Mercedes driver narrowed down to just 14.6 seconds, even though in Formula One, that's still kind of a big gap, not going to lie. And Rosberg finally clenched his first driver's championship before announcing his retirement. 2017 marked a transition for Mercedes as they said goodbye to executive direct. They said goodbye to executive director Paddy Lowe and welcomed Valtteri Bottas as Rosberg's replacement. Their dominance, however, remained unchallenged as they secured their fourth consecutive constructors' championship. Lewis Hamilton also made history by becoming the first British driver to win four world championships. For 2018, the driver lineup remained the same and they clinched their fifth straight Constructors' Championship. Won 11 races out of 21, with Hamilton taking all the victories, emphasizing their dominance, and honestly, Lewis's. 2019, pretty much same deal. By the summer break, Mercedes had won 10 out of the 12 races, securing 1-2 finishes in the first five races of the season and clenching both championships for the sixth year in a row. The 2020 season introduced Mercedes's dual axis steering system, which allowed drivers to optimize their car's performance. The team continued their winning streak, once again securing both championships. In 2021, Lineup stayed the same for the fifth year in a row, but faced a fierce challenge from Max Verstappen, a controversial safety car restart at the season-ending Abu Dhabi Grand Prix saw Hamilton lose the Drivers' Championship on the last lap. Despite the setback, though, Mercedes still secured their eighth consecutive Constructors' Championship, cementing their status as a dominant Force in F1. However, that dominance was truly ending because they've been facing a few challenges, car issues, and more. In 2022, Mercedes made a bold move by replacing Valtteri Bottas with their junior driver, George Russell, to partner Lewis Hamilton. And since the year brought major rule changes, that didn't help either. They reintroduced ground effect 
And Mercedes, because of this, unveiled a radical design featuring zero pods. But the new concept initially posed challenges for the team, making it difficult to unlock its full potential. And the car also suffered from aggressive purposing. The team managed to significantly reduce and solve this issue ahead of Canada. Despite their performance struggles, Mercedes was incredibly reliable with only three retirements throughout the season, including crashes involving Russell and Hamilton at the British GP and a mechanical failure for Hamilton at Abu Dhabi. Nonetheless, Mercedes found themselves regularly on the podium at the French GP. Hamilton finished second with Russell in third, marking their first double podium of the season. Russell also achieved his first ever pole position at the Hungarian GP, while he secured his first Formula 1 victory and Mercedes's first win of the season at the Sao Paulo Grand Prix, with Hamilton coming in second, making it a 1-2. In the 2023 season so far, Mercedes has continued to grapple with their unconventional zero-pods design. However, to address these challenges, the team has made significant changes by replacing technical director Mike Elliott with James Allison, who was technical director before. With Elliott taking on the role of chief technical officer, this change took place on April 21st, And with that, Mercedes aimed to overcome their design hurdles and remain a competitive force. So now that we're all caught up on all the seasons, let's talk about their junior team. And like many other teams, Mercedes does have a junior team where they support young drivers all the way from karting to Formula 2. Their current lineup include in karting, Jamaica's Alex Powell, the Chinese Carter Yang Pu Chui, the Spaniard Luna Fluxa, who is the only female in their whole academy, and Enzo Craigie. In the FR European Championship, they also called Freca, they have Kimi Antonelli, who in a rather unusual move, is skipping F3 next season and moving straight to F2 with Prema. In F3, there's Paul Aaron, who most recently finished third in the standings for 2023, and definitely one to watch. Also, his social media, by the way. And finally, in F2, we have Frederick Vesti. Again, someone to watch, because as it stands right now, he might still have a shot at the championship. And if the alumni list of the Drivers Academy is anything to go by, these drivers are definitely up for a challenge. Because as previously, the program had members such as Pascal Verla and the current F1 drivers, Esteban Ocon, who to this day is managed by Toto Wolff, even though he's at Alpine now, and the Mercedes driver, George Russell, of course. Well, I will say, talking about George, I'm really excited for this weekend's race. 
because Mercedes has done really well this season. Like, I know that in a sense, we probably expected more from them because it's Mercedes, but they're still kicking butt. Like, they are doing a great job. And also this weekend, I feel like Lewis might be, I don't know, did he end up beating Checo? I don't think he did, right? But he you mean might. in the standings? Yeah. I mean, there's potential. It's a neck to neck on neck fight at this point. How many point. points does he need? It's like around like twenty ish, like, yeah. give or take point difference. Right Still, now. yeah. So if he gets P two in Vegas, and Checo gets nothing, um, he and then Abu Dhabi he gets some points, and Checo maybe gets some points. Basically, finishes behind him. He's good. Essentially, what messed them up was Coda, where Lewis was disqualified. Oh, or else was. it would have been like pretty much like 2021, except for P2 in the championship, except instead of P1. So it's 22 points. That's what he needs. JK Which then. is doable. I don't know. I'm just thinking about the those streets in that Vegas circuit. Yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about it in the next episode. <laughs> we're we're going to talk about it. But... Mm, and then we have Vegas coming up. And Abu Dhabi. I feel like Mercedes is going to, for some reason, do better in Abu Dhabi than Vegas. I feel like Vegas is going to mess up a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Mercedes and Abu Dhabi will do well. So that's hopefully where it goes. But I mean, they've won a lot of their titles at Abu Dhabi. So Exactly. So you like, hope history repeats itself. <laughs> so, for example, 2016 was only decided in Abu Dhabi, like in the driver's standings. I think it's a little crazy how early we had to call it in, like, hindsight. Like, why are we racing? Yeah, it was funny. Um, the other day, a friend that is only, like, slowly getting into F1 because of me was like, but wait, the championship's already wrapped up. Like, both championships are wrapped up. However, they're still racing. Why? Like, I had to explain the whole, depending on where you finish in the constructors, the you get X amount of money. Yeah. I don't know. I just hope they get their stuff together for next season and they're up there fighting alongside Red Bull. Who knows? Maybe even, like, McLaren and Ferrari. Like, it would be cool to see, like, more of a fight amongst those big dogs. For that number one position instead of being like, okay, let's see who's going to finish like P2 and P3 in the championship. Because, I mean, it's great. Mercedes is in P2 and they were able to like jump ahead. Ferrari, even though all of us are Ferrari fans, but we love Mercedes too. But it's just like, it's fun to watch when like little things like switch around like that. And it's the same thing with like the driver's standings because I remember Lewis started below Fernando and then eventually Lewis started catching up and then surpassed him. And it's kind of fun. I miss, I miss seeing stuff like that. Yeah, it's truly amazing how from the start of the season, they managed to fix their car. Speaking of Lewis and Mercedes, did the contract come out already for him? He's good to go, right? Yeah, I think it's two-year contract. Yeah, both of them, nice. two years. I think it was announced, not a coda beforehand. It was announced like, like George. Both, both of them, yeah. Both. It was like right, like the middle of the season. It was a year before, or after, like the break. Yeah, I it was like after the break. Yeah, it was like a blur, to be honest. At this, yeah, point. it was because 
I think the weekend it was announced, multiple teams announced their stuff. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. I kind of like them together, though. Yeah. I do, too. The Britsadies era that we're in. I just feel like they have a good work relationship. Like, I don't think they're friends or anything. I don't know if they're, like, friends or anything away from the grid, but, like, they seem like they work well. They're, they both take it very seriously. Work besties, I would say. Yeah. Like, Which, they're on the same team. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> or are they racing Stop. or are they on the same plan? Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes we have to question who they're racing. Which, to be a fly um, on the wall in those moments when things get heated up between people, drivers there. Because I can just imagine, especially with the I recent stuff. Like- when Toto was out? Yes. Yeah. Apparently, he had to Skype in to the race to tell them off. Can you imagine? He's he had, like, knee very surgery. passionate man. Yeah, he is. He cares. Could like, you imagine, like, recovering from, like, whatever surgery you have and, like, you see this happening and you're just like, great, let me. <laughs> I need to yell like, at them. And it's like, whoever's, like, there's, like, oh, shit, the big boss is calling <laughs> so but no it's yeah or maybe they were grateful that he called because they were like i don't they're like i don't get paid enough to yell at them you know what i do really love about mercedes though is that they're like a very consistent team like it's been toto and it's been lewis and like they've basically stuck to george they're not a team that really moves around a lot and it's kind of nice to see yeah and it's also nice to see that since actually before, like since their inception, Michael Schumacher and Lewis are the only two drivers that did not drive for Williams beforehand. Oh, I both Nico, Nico and Valtteri and George were all Williams drivers before, like right before, and then got moved up. So their junior program is very solid and the williams mercedes bond is also solid so essentially get into whatever academy mercedes runs so if you're listening out there now you know what to do Ooh, speaking of academies we haven't have they released yet who they're gonna pick for the mclaren has only been the only team to announce so I was just thinking about that earlier. Like, I wonder who they'd sign at this point. Me too, because I'm kind of just like itching to know. It's like, what are you? It's guys not going to be for? Marta because Marta, I think, is going to be doing a whole different series next year. She has to because she won. It's the same with F two. You win. I was you have wondering to move if on. they changing the series though because of what they were doing, but I guess not. I thought it'd be like a different series. What do you mean, F1 Academy? Like the W Series? Yeah, like I thought, no, like I thought they were going to like change F1 Academy, like rename it and all that when they were going to do this whole merger. So Don't think so. I was hoping she would get a loophole entrance. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be cool to see her under Mercedes or Ferrari. It would be. Those pictures yeah. for, Definitely Ferrari. I mean, it, honestly, on the topic of F1 Academy and their driving drivers linking up with F1 teams. I was surprised that Bianca, who's at Prema, did not go the Ferrari route because we all know 
Prema is baby Ferrari. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to talk about too much because this is the Mercedes episode, but I will say I think she made a good move for herself. She's a good marketing person. McLaren's good at marketing. But Mercedes is also good at marketing. And if they can just pick the right kid, girl, they're going to do, I hope they're going to do her so right because they have the funding and they just need to put it in the right place. Can you imagine? And maybe, you know, get some more makeup people out there for them. Can you imagine what you would call it, uh, the content on like TikTok and like their socials, like with George, especially with George, because I feel like George is like the one with the ideas. Like Loki's like, hey, I saw this trend, like let's try it right now. So just imagine that. But now that you mentioned the makeup, like maybe a Fenty, you know, can sponsor a driver. I was thinking Smashbox or Rare Beauty. I don't know. I don't think Rare Beauty, but maybe Fenty. I don't know why Rihanna gives me those vibes. And also her mm-hmm. makeup lasts. Fin- okay, so Rihanna gives me Red Bull vibes. That's yeah. the only problem. I feel like she would endorse whoever Red Bull's endorsing. True. Probably. Maybe like, I feel like a bougier brand would go for Mercedes. Like, they would yeah. go for their crowd. Like, Vestman Atelier or something like that. Like, someone bougie, but also niche. I feel like Anastasia also went with the right crowd. Mm-hmm. It's like bougie, but they're also really young crowd. So and they they have solid products. I mean, not that Mercedes has an old crowd. Mercedes has like a crowd that's freaking crazy. You go to these uh, races, and there's always going to be a Mercedes fan. Always. They're super diverse too, is what I noticed. Like yes, different they're backgrounds everyone. and everything. And well, I guess if you consider who their driver is, like Lewis, mm-hmm. he's for everyone. So, but in general, too, like Mercedes, I've noticed they're for everyone, or at least they make that effort to appear they're for everyone and make those strides for inclusion and all that good stuff that you know we always want to see. And you know, we see how they treat Susie with Toto and everything. So, I mean, I feel like that speaks volumes for Mercedes in general, where they're like, you know, we want to see more female representation on track, whether it be on the grid or off the grid behind the scenes, it's like, we need, I don't know. Like you said, though, Chelsea, it's like, they do have Lewis, which is, you know, a pioneer in that in the sport itself. But it's interesting that you bring that up because when I was doing the research for their academy, they only have one female. They only have a Carter, which, yes, like the more senior series don't have women in them except for Sophie Flourish. But still, why there are a lot of female carters. Get another one in there. That's what I was thinking when I was doing the research. Yeah. I'm sure they can always try more. But yeah. I feel like everything can try a little more. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, but yeah. I'm sure there's like logistics and everything behind that too. So yeah. they're probably there's like always logistics. Yeah. So it's not like I'm pretty sure there's someone like behind them is like get another female driver it, in there but, some uh, way somehow i'm sure Susie's the one doing it <laughs> <laughs> you know it you know it but at the same time you don't just want to put anyone in there because reputation and that Mercedes might be a does thing have too. high standards yeah yeah and that might be a thing too because they just don't like you just said they don't want just anyone driving under their name representing them so yeah. i don't blame them for Makes having sense. a picky selection product process i don't blame them sucks but understandable 
most of their drivers have won world championships, especially with the team. Like two out of their five drivers now. Granted, George is still young, so maybe he will win one of them because I can see him staying for a long time. So do you think like when Lewis retires, whenever that happens in the far, far future, because I don't want that happening to four game his eighth, ninth, depending who you're asking, world title. <laughs> um, which McCall, who do you think would replace him? Do you think they would go like the typical Rauge, like a driver um, from Williams? Yes, and I think they would get Alex. Albon. Yeah. I mean, I think Ar- if they went the Williams route, it would only make sense to push up Alex. I would not mind seeing Alex in that seat. He's been me neither doing really great. I love Alex. He's been carrying Williams, but in terms of who would be in that seat, I kind of no shade to Logan, but I want Mick in that second Williams seat because he's already in the Mercedes family. And then him moving up, because he's younger than Alex. Wait, who would be moving up? Mick? Mick. Mm -hmm. But that's me. I'm a Mick early. I think he would just need a little bit more experience before he gets into that Mercedes seat. Yeah, me too. Haas, we know Haas. And we won't get into that. (laughs) So it would be nice to see him, you know, go from Williams to Mercedes like that. I definitely won't won't mind, but I definitely will want him a little bit more experience. Just because he already has that Schumacher name and everything so that's already enough pressure on his back so imagine the added on pressure being in the mercedes seat however many years after your father like i would want to make sure he's like in good form look this is my argument you have to kick ass in the williams before you should be even considered for a mercedes seat facts and facts george kicked ass in williams facts and so is alex so that makes complete sense to me for them to be pushed up to like Mercedes. Um, like Mel said, we could talk about Mick and Haas another day. But if we use that as an example, he's definitely not ready for Mercedes. But I do love the kid. No, he needs to earn his spurs at Williams first. But he's been putting in that work with that simulator. That's all I can say. Because every single time they put a close up on him, Chris and I are always just like, Mick, we love you. You're putting in that work. Because you can tell how exhausted that poor kid is. But his hard work is definitely paying off because we're seeing the results. And the are hard. Yeah. Yeah. And you can tell, like, just, like, look in his eyes. Like, he's putting in that work. So it's like, you know what, Mick? Well-deserved. And, you know, who knows? We haven't heard anything from the last remaining team about one driver spot. So maybe it'll happen soon. I think then- he deserves another chance. Me too. Me too. Especially with all the work he's doing and the mentors he has around him, like having Toto on your side, you know, obviously having his family behind him, people like Vettel, that's going to help you become a great driver. It's just you have to also get the car safely to the finish line every single time. And at a good yes. enough pace. Not yes. So. <laughs> and also- I think also he's just so much pressure because like he's a Schumacher. Yeah. I mean, one of his nicknames is, so his dad was the Red Baron. So one of his nicknames is the Mini Red Baron. That's so cute. And that's, I'm dead. that's cute, that. but it also says a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure, just the nickname. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. I mean, and it makes you want to push when you probably shouldn't, I assume. Yeah. I mean, not to get off topic, but... At the beginning, he carded under his mother's maiden name. I don't blame him for it. I get it. it. 
Yeah. And now to everyone's favorite part of the podcast, our pre-outro. And this week we're doing a more so quote from the team, the team quote. And this is straight from the Mercedes AMG F1 Petronas website, F1 team. I even got that messed up. I mean, again, we, we know our drivers relate to that issue, but their quote goes as this. The challenge of winning an F1 is formidable because of the outstanding quality of our competitors. And this is our mindset. The greater the challenge, the better. And that is the end of our episode. Thank you for joining us, everyone. It's always so nice learning about these teams and how they got on the track. Who do you want to hear about next? Let us know on our socials everywhere. We are Paddock Girls Podcast, except on Twitter. There you can find us at Paddock Girls Pod. See you next time, everyone, where we'll be talking all things Michael Schumacher. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.